Welcome everyone to Ladies of LifeSite. Thank you for joining us in this week's episode. I'm so happy you are tuning in. Ladies of LifeSite took a short break, but we are back and you can expect weekly episodes every Monday. Allow me to introduce myself. I am your new host, Stella Moore. I'm a 20-year-old Catholic student and I am tuning in from Chicago, Illinois, where I attend Loyola University. I'm an active volunteer with the Coalition for Canceled Priests, an organization dedicated to helping good and holy priests that have been sidelined. I have recently joined LifeSite's marketing team, and I am thrilled to be your new host. Today, I am joined by a special guest by the name of Amber Rose. She is better known on social media as the Religious Hippie. Amber also hosts her own podcast titled A Catholic's Perspective with the Religious Hippie, and she runs a YouTube channel, so be sure to check her out on all platforms after the show. Amber is a 23-year-old, and she is also a college student at Liberty University studying graphic design. She was raised in a traditional Catholic family, but at the age of only 13, she left the Catholic Church. Amber recently reunited with Christ and has returned to the faith. Her journey back is what we will be unpacking today. It is so important for faithful Catholics like Amber, who has such a unique perspective on faith, to share her trials and tribulations so that other young individuals who may be struggling with their relationship with Christ can be inspired. Amber, thank you for joining us. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Of course. Before we get started, I would like to invite our Blessed Mother into our conversation today and pray the Hail Mary. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amber, you left the Catholic Church for a full eight years. That is a long time to be disconnected from God. Would you mind explaining that a little bit in depth to us? How did you make that decision and why? It wasn't really a decision I made per se. During that time, a lot of the sex scandals were just completely wrecking havoc on a lot of good traditional Catholic families. And unfortunately, mine was one of them. We didn't really know how to handle them. And so instead of going through and just trying to find the goodness in the faith, we ended up leaving. And as a 13-year-old, I was just like, yeah, no more mass, no more sitting in there for an hour. Like I can text my friends whenever I want. I can do whatever I want on Sundays. I don't have to go to confession with a scary priest, like blah, 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 blah. Not that priests are scary, but like when you're 13 and it's like a six foot priest and it's a tiny little box, I was claustrophobic. So it was kind of scary. But I didn't really make the decision. It was more just kind of, we just kind of fell away as a family and we kind of just stayed that way. We would go to mass on like Easter and a couple holidays, but that was about it. I mean, that really is a gift from God that you made your way back to the faith and not only made it back, but your trust in our Lord is so strong just from the conversations I've had with you personally. And I think a lot of people face something personal in their life, like you're explaining, And then the reaction is always that the Catholic faith is not what they believe and that what happened to them is so bad and God allowed it to happen. So everything that the church believes in at that point is then just fake to them. Kind of like yourself, when the going gets tough, they don't lean on the Lord. People don't do that. And they do the opposite. They leave the church. So it's really amazing that you are where you are today. And I really appreciate you sharing everything that you have to say. 
it was a hard time. And I think a lot of families suffered greatly. I think the percentage was 37% of faithful Catholics left the church because of sex scandals. I'm not sure if that's the exact number, but it was in the 30s. I noticed that many young Catholics, like people I know, they kind of grow up and they grow apart from the faith. They don't really work on their relationship with God. They go to college or find a job. And there's just no time for church, prayer, fasting, anything in their religious life. So I'm sure you have seen this with people you know. What was your saving grace? You were old enough to make your own decision to return to the church. I mean, you were 18 years old. Your parents can't really force you to go to church or celebrate any of the holy sacraments for that matter. So what inspired you to reunite with God? Honestly, I think at that point I hit my rock bottom. And you know the saying, like, if you hit rock bottom, you can only go up from there. I think that is true to an extent. There's some truth to that. And I can't really say what specifically was my saving grace besides maybe the rosary, because I started praying that before I actually came back into my faith and started going to mass again regularly. So I would say Our Lady was definitely one of those saving graces, literally for me. But once I actually started getting involved in my faith again and going to mass and doing all these things, looking back on it, I really do believe the fact that my parents made me get the sacraments and all of those things was very important and played a vital role in me returning to the faith. Because once we have those sacraments, we're already Catholic, you know, and all we need to do is go back, repent and and start practicing our faith again. On the twist side, I had many friends who fell away from the, the faith before they got confirmation. And because of that, they had to go through all these steps in order to come back. And they basically had to go through RCIA. For me, though, I would definitely have to say the rosary was was that saving grace and bringing me back and remembering why I was put on the earth and God's mercy, because I struggled a lot with mental health problems. I did self-harm. There was a lot of eating disorders. There was anxiety, depression, and a lot of it stemmed from the peer group I was in at the time. I was bullied a lot. I was kind of a nerd, still am, but you know, not in the same, not in the same sense. And so I had a lot of mental health issues. And as a kid, we would go to mass all the time. And it, I mean, as a kid, I didn't enjoy mass, but it made me happy to go as a family. And it, it made me happy to have that foundation in my life. And so I kind of remembered that and I wanted that back. You mentioned that some of your friends had left the church before, I think you said confirmation. Do you think that had an impact on you and like your decision to leave and then come back? The funny thing is, is that I didn't know any of those people until like recently. So I didn't really have a ton of Catholic friends. The Catholic friends I did have, we didn't really discuss faith. Like we would go to church together or something like that, but we never really discussed our faith or, or anything like that. And because of that, I think I always viewed religion as kind of like a nerd thing. Like it was embarrassing to be a part of, I don't know how to explain it. It was like embarrassing to be Christian. I didn't really know any of those people that didn't get confirmation until like recently. And when I did hear about it, I was just very thankful that I got all my sacraments. I remember back in like elementary and middle school, I would go to church with my family and it was always like my biggest fear that I would see someone that I went to school with. Because like you're saying, it's almost embarrassing. You have to develop and like really learn that like this is your faith and it's important that you go to mass and that you're not embarrassed and that you share with other people the glory of God. So I totally agree with you. It's hard. I think it's very hard, especially because we live in a godless society. It's it's not normal to talk about God anymore. You put God into a conversation and it seems abnormal almost. People get offended if you talk about God. It, it's very backwards. It never used to be like that, but now it is. And, and now we have this huge problem. Even just in college, like you have to be very careful what you say to certain people about God. I mean, I will say whatever I want, but people will 
get offended if you say God's the only one. Like, I don't believe in anything else. They're like, no, like, there's all these other religions and you're wrong and you end up being the bad guy. But really, like, it's so important that we preach our faith. I totally agree. Especially with Roe versus Wade on the brink of hopefully being overturned. Obviously, abortion is not a religious problem. It's a moral problem, but you don't have to be religious to be against it. Still, like, that's another foundation of our faith is that we are pro-life and it's hard to be pro-life, especially in college and stuff. It's hard to really be authentically Catholic in today's world. It is. It's really hard. I mean, even being pro-life in today's world is so hard. I'm sure you feel it as a 20-year-old. I feel it as a 20-year-old. We are surrounded by people who are pro-choice. I mean, they think that it's the women's right to have an abortion. And if you speak out against it, again, you're the bad guy. It's, it's really challenging to be this age living in this sort of society because we're out and about, we're at school. I mean, everyone has different views and it's come to the point where either you agree with these other people or you are in the wrong. So I definitely agree with that especially with the younger generation, they see us. And I think it'll really make a turn for the better though, because they're going to have good role models to look up to now. I agree. What are some of the biggest changes that you did see in your life when you became a practicing Catholic again? Like what happened? I always like to reiterate this story because somebody told me before when I was not practicing, when I was about 16, somebody told me they were trying to evangelize me. And they're just like, once you become Christian, like everything disappears. Like it's going to be great. Like you're just going to butterflies and rainbows and lucky charms. And she basically was telling me like, my anxiety and depression are going to flutter away like little butterflies. And it's going to be like, it never happened. Like all these things. And I'm like, that's that. And I knew for a fact, be- being raised Catholic, that's not how it works. Right. And so I was like, yeah, okay, sister, whatever, <laughs> you know, with that story, I just want to reiterate that, you know, your life isn't going to be perfect when you become Christian. It's going to be difficult, but God gives you the strength to overcome those difficulties. That's what I wanted to say. But my main thing was that like, I was given strength through the sacraments, through the church, through Christ to stand up for his church and to stand up for myself and my faith. And he gave me that strength. I went through a period of desolation last year for that lasted almost about seven, eight months. And desolation is, if you guys are familiar with uh, St. Mother Teresa, she experienced desolation, which is dark night of the soul for about 10 years. And it's where you completely feel separated from God. Like he's not there at all. Some other saints went through it as well, but it was hard because I was really on fire for my faith for about two years. And then the last year was just abomination. Like I struggled so much. I was able to make it to weekly mass, but I wasn't able to make it to my daily mass like I usually did or my three-time adoration every week or my daily prayers really lacked a lot in, um, you know, reverence and and, uh, intention. I struggled with that for about eight, you know, eight months. And all I can say is that grace really does flow from spiritual dryness because God will put us through these tests and he puts us through these tests, A, to test our loyalty, but also to help us grow in faith because If we simply stay comfortable in our faith, we aren't going to grow. And so it takes a little bit of struggle. It's just like if you're working out, you know, you're going to struggle a little bit to lift that hundred pounds, but then, you know, you're going to be stronger for it after you get more used to it and you start doing it more often and you, you stay consistent. And so the graces that kind of came from all of that has helped me 
tremendously. And my anxiety and depression, obviously I still struggle with seasonal depression. It's something I'm very open about. And I talk about a lot. I have social anxiety, so I'm an introvert. I tend to be more closed off, but people would never guess that off my social media. They think I'm a total extrovert until they meet me in person, but God has really helped heal a lot of deep seated wounds from my past. Obviously I'm still working through some, but I think in general, when we have those deep-seated wounds of self-harm and eating disorders and depression and anxiety, and I was sexualized quite a bit by male peers for a good 10, 12 years, even when I was very, very young, I think starting on the journey of healing is really important because when we're healed, we heal others. You know, the saying hurt people, hurt people. Well, healed people heal people. And so I want to be a healed person for others. Amazing. Thank you for sharing. That's amazing. I mean, I know even for myself, even in just the past year, I have really focused on dedicating so much more of my time to prayer and going to church during the week and fasting, all of that. And I've noticed that aspects of my life have played out in ways that I didn't think that they would. And I know that's a direct result of the time that I have dedicated to watering my relationship with God. Like you said, I mean, it's a relationship. It's not all going to be flowers and green and lucky charms. Like you said, it's it's a relationship. You have to work on it. There's bumps, there's ups and downs, and you really just have to trust in the Lord. So I agree with you. I saw that you did a YouTube video. And guys, like I said, make sure you check out Amber on YouTube and her podcast after the show. But she did a YouTube video on overcoming the anxieties people face when it comes to religion. Or maybe you mentioned it in a YouTube video. I can't exactly remember. But I thought it was really relatable because I know for me, the first time I walked into Latin Mass even, which I honestly can say was less than a year ago, I immediately felt like the odd one out. You know, I wasn't wearing a veil. I didn't know the flow of the Mass. All of those sorts of things. And I'm sure when you returned to the Catholic faith, Amber, you felt these sorts of anxieties, but to an extreme. How did you overcome these anxieties? That's the fun part, right? Because I had anxiety to begin with. So (laughs) religious anxiety was like a whole other level. I think it helped because I still had that foundation of faith. My parents raised me in the traditional Latin mass. And so I wasn't familiar with the traditional Latin mass because I I was away for so long, but I did take Latin in high school. And so that really helped me to learn a lot of the language. And then when it came to the Novus Ordo masses I would go to, I was very familiar with those because those were the ones we would usually go to if we went for like a holiday or something. That wasn't so hard. I think the hardest part was like what you said, like feeling like I didn't belong. I always say I'm too modern for the trads and I'm too trad for the modern. That's so true because I I can go either way. I'm very traditional, but I also go to Novus Ordo and I wear jeans and I don't just wear skirts. So it's hard for me to kind of find an in-between, but I felt a little out of place in the fact that I'd been gone for so long and I felt like I needed to relearn everything. I forgot the rosary prayers. I forgot a lot of the mass responses. I forgot like everything. I forgot how to read my missile. Like I forgot so much. And a lot of memories started coming back when I, I started putting myself back into the situation, which helped a lot. Like I would, me- I would remember my mom would say like Kyrie eleison or something and like you would like beat your heart or whatever with your fist. I would remember certain things like that. I would remember like making the sign of the cross during consecration and you kneel. The biggest thing that helped me overcome it was going to daily mass. I went to daily mass to put myself more into 
the environment, because the more you put yourself into the environment, the more you get comfortable with it, the more you're going to be able to actually focus and learn the responses and memorize um, what you are supposed to be saying and doing during the mass. My daily missile was also very helpful because then I could actually look ahead at the mass and see what the readings were and what the responses were and things like that so that I felt more prepared. Daily mass is something I've been focusing on a lot and it makes all the difference, especially if you go in the morning, it's like you start your day and it's just, you feel really good. So I I agree with that. It seems like you had to do a lot of almost practicing to overcome all of the hardships that came with returning to the faith, but it's amazing that you are where you are today with it all. Honestly, it was only through God's grace and Our Lady's intercession that I was able to come back and actually commit because of the fact that when I was coming back in, there were a lot of, still are, but there were a lot of scandals going on in the church. Not technically sex scandals, but a lot of scandals that people were talking about with Pope Francis. There were so many things that should have made me want to leave right away again. Like I should have just wanted to just turn around and be like, nope, all right, I'm out. I'm done. Like this isn't for me. But for some reason I stayed and because I felt called by Christ, I knew it was the place I needed to be that despite the fact that there will be Judases in the church, because again, Judas was a part of the 12, you know, and uh, there will always be some sort of corruption because we are humans and we are corrupt. Obviously we are made new again through Christ, but we are still sinful creatures. And so because of that, there will always be wolves in sheep's clothing and the church is not exempt from that. And somehow I just knew that somehow I just knew like, there's always going to be bad people in this church. Like there's just, there's just going to be some bad people. We need to pray and we need to fast for the good priests, the good bishops. And we need to really take into our own hands. Cause I think it's so easy for us Catholics as lay people to point the fingers at authority figures, right. At the bishops, the bishops didn't talk about this. Pope Francis said this or, you know, whatever, but what are you doing? Like, are you praying and fasting for them? Are you doing the first Friday, first Saturday devotions? Are you praying your rosary daily? Like every single Our Lady apparition has asked us to do. I think it's so easy for us to point fingers. And so I kind of just came to terms with that. Like, I'm just going to take my faith into my, my own hands and I'm not going to worry about what they're doing. I'm going to worry about my own soul and what I'm doing. You were talking about everything going on in the church. There's still so much going on in the church. And that's part of the reason that, like I said, I the first time I went to Latin Mass was less than a year ago. And that's the reason why Cardinal Supich in Chicago canceled Latin Mass the first Sunday of the month. And it was almost, it was a sign to me. It was like, I need to go. I mean, like, there's so much happening in the church that this is like a calling for me to like grow deeper in my faith. So everything that you're saying is very relatable. And also with Cardinal Supich, he didn't just do it for the first Sunday of every month. It's also on liturgical holidays. We're not allowed to do it on Easter, Christmas, or any liturgical holidays. And if a priest does celebrate the Latin Mass. He's not allowed to celebrate any Mass afterwards. You have to find the good in it, and the good I have found in it is that it's actually made me want to go to Latin Mass, which is good for me. I need to be doing that. So there's good in everything, and I guess if it's horrible that that's happening to the Latin Mass, but it's good for me to want to expose myself to it more and more because of that. Yeah. Amber, I was going to ask you, who have been some of the most influential people in your journey, whether it's a saint, a priest, a family member, whoever it is, who's been influential and why? I mean, I would definitely say my parents for raising me in the faith and making sure I got the sacraments. Like that was a huge one. After that, I would have to say a close mom friend of mine who invited me to go to a local parish with her. And that's where I met 
my priest, Father Coys. So I really appreciate her and going to mass with me and allowing me to go with her family to mass and sitting with them. I really appreciate that. And Father Coys has been an amazing influence for me. He's just such a sweetheart and he always has the best advice and he's such a gentle soul. He's he's not incriminating. When you're in confession, it doesn't feel like you're in confession. You literally feel like you're talking to a friend, a trusted friend, and he's giving you you know, consolation. I just feel really blessed to have those good people in my life. And also brother Juan is another amazing person in my life who has been there since the beginning. When I came back into my faith, he's just full of great wisdom and he feels things so deeply and, and he takes time to really understand his emotions and how to address a situation. And He's just so pure. And I I absolutely love brother Juan. And then of course my sister as well, because my sister is very into her faith and she's prayed for me for a long time to come back into mine. Yeah. We were talking about how there's, you know, some bad leadership in the church as we can see, but then you find like the good priests and you're like, this is amazing. It's totally life-changing. I have been the social media coordinator for the coalition for canceled priests since the summer. And it's just a group of priests and laity and they've had a huge impact on me. I mean, these are really influential people in my faith journey. I'm only 20 years old, so even when we just have a group dinner and everyone is talking, I learned so much about the church, the Latin Mass, all of it. So whether the Coalition for Canceled Priests realizes it or not, the group has had a huge impact on my personal faith journey, which is shaping me into the young lady I am today. For you and me, it's important we find these people who can really guide us and show us the way. There were a lot of saints that helped me too, but Our Lady of Sorrows is probably one of those that really helped me to understand the pain I was going through and how to unite it with Christ's on Calvary. So she was also very influential in my life too. Would you mind sharing what the most challenging part of being a young Catholic in general has been for you? I know we've kind of touched on it here and there a little bit. In general, all of it's difficult because of the fact that we have such a distracted world, such a godless society, just evangelizing in general. I mean, I have trouble sometimes because of my social anxiety actually going up and talking to people and doing that. And so I think that's one of the reasons God put me in the position I am to run the religious hippie is to share evangelize with people in a way where I can actually do it well. Because when I go up to somebody and I start talking, I just start crying. It's great. I, like, it's not even like anything crazy. I could just be like, have you heard of Jesus Christ? And they're just like, whoa. And I'm just like, like, I, I can't, <laughs> I don't do very well. <laughs> and so I feel like that's one of the reasons God opened all these opportunities for me to run the religious hippie is to share and to do things kind of like, I guess, baby steps, you know, baby steps into what I'm doing. And so now that I'm able to actually give talks with bigger groups and things like that, this this is what God's been leading me towards. I think a lot of the hate that I can get sometimes gets to me, not because that's what they think of me, if it's, you know, specifically the hate specifically towards me, but because somewhere deep down, like I said, hurt people hurt people. Somewhere deep down, they're hurt and they're taking it out on another. I've gotten hate from Catholics. I've gotten hate from Protestants. I've gotten hate from atheists. It's just one of those things where I I wonder, like, what is going on in your life where you're so bitter towards somebody you don't really even know? Obviously, dealing with the hate and then evangelizing with social anxiety. And then the last one I would say is trying to keep up a prayer routine with all the distractions we have. I mean, we have phones pinging, we have radios going, we have TVs on, we have just so many, so many distractions. And that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to distract us from prayer to keep us from doing daily prayers and to growing in our faith. 
And so that's one of the ways he does it. You know, he he distracts us through a ping on our phone. Young people today, I mean, we were talking about this before the podcast started. We're both scatterbrained, right? And I think kids today are overstimulated and they're scatterbrained. It's really hard for them to focus and meditate on the rosary or to focus and meditate on prayer. I think it's important for parents to really start raising their kids to meditate on Jesus's life and take them to adoration and get them used to it because it's a lifesaver honestly. Finding time to pray is so important. I know I have to put it into my schedule. Like I'm like, okay, at this time I'm going to pray the rosary and at this time I'm going to go to mass. And every morning I wake up and I have to do that because it's so hard to find time. There's so many distractions. So we really have to make the time. It's so important and we really have to grow in our faith and share our faith with everyone else. So thank you for sharing that. The younger generation will really be the ones to carry us. You know, I remember saying, well, blessed Carlos, Acutis, is that Acutis? He said that after me, there will come a big legion of saints. And it gives me goosebumps whenever I hear that. Yeah, I mean, that's why we have to pray. We have to pray for the people who need to find Christ and find um, his hope and his love. If we can pray for them and we can help them, then hopefully we can help everyone our age and for the years to come, we'll, we'll be well off. To someone our age struggling spiritually or mentally to live a faith-filled life like we're talking about, Based off of your experiences, what kind of advice would you give them? I would start off just reading one or two books about the faith that you really like. There's so many out there. My personal favorite is The Imitation of Christ. And then also, if you wanted to get into like the apologetic side of things, you could do The Essential Catholic Survival Guide by Catholic Answers. Those are two very good books. I would honestly say don't burn yourself out. If you can, start praying the rosary every day if you can. The Divine Mercy Chaplet is wonderful too. The Divine Mercy Chaplet only takes about five, maybe 10 minutes to pray at most. And ask for the intercession of Our Lady. Honestly, she she will guide you to her son. That's her end goal. That's what she wants. She wants us to go to Jesus. And so that's how she guides us is through her intercession. If you can discuss it with your local priest, I think priests have a great insight into the youth and who they talk to and what's going on in the world that they could probably give you a lot of good advice. If you need therapy, don't be afraid of therapy. I think a lot of people think that therapy is like a taboo subject in Catholicism. And for some groups, I found that it actually is. But don't be afraid if you need therapy. Therapy, when you when you combine it with the sacraments, it's very powerful. I love it. The rosary is huge. We have to pray the rosary every day. And along with that, the Divine Mercy Chaplet. I mean, when we pray that, we say, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, 50 times, we're praying that Jesus' suffering will bring us salvation. So somebody new coming into the faith or trying to rekindle their relationship with God, praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet, it really makes you feel a different type of way. So I totally agree with that. Do you have any other good resources or podcasts? I mean, besides Ladies of LifeSite and your own podcast, is there any other resources that you would like to share with the younger Catholics out there that you think can really help with our faith journeys? I love Catholic Answers. Their website is amazing. They also have a YouTube channel, but I prefer their, you know, their website. I also have my own website, thereligioushippie.com, which I also link resources, my favorite books and a bunch of information there. You can also follow Father Mike Schmitz on Ascension Presents. It's a YouTube channel and he has amazing videos along with Jackie and Bobby for relationship stuff. And a bunch of other people are on there that have great videos about the faith. And besides that, I would also probably say Pints with Aquinas if you're more into the apologetic sides of things. Thank you for sharing, Amber. Thank you for joining us on Ladies of LifeSite. It has been inspiring to hear your story. Everyone, please be sure to follow Amber on all her 
social media platforms. Just search The Religious Hippie, and I'm assuming it'll come up. Also, be sure to tune into her podcast and YouTube channel. As you can tell, Amber has a lot of knowledge and passion to share, and she really is a bright light in the sometimes dark and daunting world. So thank you, Amber. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And everyone, thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Ladies of LifeSight. I'm your host, Stella Moore, and I'll be back next week with another episode. Be sure to subscribe to our email list so you know when our next episode goes live. You can also subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform. For questions, comments, and topic ideas that you'd like to hear, in the future, please email ladies of LifeSite at ladies at lifesightnews.com. I would love to hear from you. I hope you have a great week. <laughs> <laughs>